Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and this morning I am excited to announce that author Charmaine Hammond will be stopping by to talk about her famous therapy dog, Toby, and her new book about his adventures. Then, after our halftime break, Marianne Dell is returning to discuss some more behavior tips about animals who have been adopted over the holiday season and perhaps some issues that have cropped up since then. Great conversations are just on the other side of our opening break, so keep your radio tuned right here for more of the Pet Place Radio Show on Cape Mozart 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I'm very happy to introduce a wonderful author and pet therapy dog handler. It's Charmaine Hammond. Welcome to the Pet Place, Charmaine. Thank you. Great to be with you today. So I understand you're doing a little pet therapy with a little famous boy named Toby. We, I was. We had Toby in our life for, he was ten and a half years old, and we had him in our life for five years, and he volunteered as a pet-assisted therapy dog at a mental health facility for about just over four years. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and he was a Chesapeake Bay Retriever? He was. He was ah. 90 pounds. Kind of looks like a chocolate lab, big uh-huh. brown eyes, and the biggest pink tongue we've ever seen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he must have been gorgeous. He was. How did you get started in pet therapy? It's an interesting story. We adopted Toby when he was five years old, and he came to us with numerous issues that didn't surface until about six months in. And uh, we, (laughs) my husband, came home one day and found the house in complete chaos. Uh oh. Uh oh is right. (laughs) Every room of the house was in some kind of disastrous state. He had broken toilet tank lids, turned on water taps, moved any, moved, yeah, moved any furniture. Suddenly? It did, although there was a little clue in the letter that the first family, Toby's first family, who loved him very much, uh-huh. um, they sent a beautiful letter with him to the foster family when they surrendered him. And it did let us know that Toby was afraid of loud noises and uh-huh. liked to trap himself in the bathroom. Interesting. Very interesting. And I didn't pay attention to that because I had fallen in love. Mm, <laughs> I had fallen in love with uh-huh. Toby. And, and so there were clues. But on that particular day, we came home and, and uh, you know, my husband actually thought that a crime had happened in the wow. house and called our neighbor, Heather, to come over and walk through it with him. Uh-huh. Well, what did you do about this? How did you turn around the destructive behavior? Well, that was the definitely the the sign that said, you know, we need to get help for this dog if we want to be able to keep him. We had we had dogs before, and so we tried all the the strategies we knew. But Toby's behavior continued to, on a weekly basis, he would empty closets or move furniture, and you know, he never chewed clothing or shoes, but uh-huh. he'd always hide things. And oh, so no. we, yeah, we we took him to the vet to make sure that nothing was wrong with him uh-huh. health wise. And he got a clean bill of health and, mm-hmm. and said, you need a behaviorist. <laughs> wow. 
So is that what you did then? You got it. We called in Maggie, and, and the day Maggie, who's a behaviorist in our community, she came in, the day that she arrived on the scene really changed Toby's life and our life in, in such a positive way, and that was the beginning of getting Toby involved in pet-assisted therapy. Oh, did she tell you that he needed a job and that <laughs> to focus his attention on, on a job? That's exactly what she told us, that he needed a purpose, he needed a job, and uh, she felt that that Toby always seemed to be wandering around the house checking on things, mm-hmm. his toys, and checking on us, and, and saw that he had, despite his destructive behavior, had this beautiful, gentle demeanor, and that he just connected with people. And, and so on went the journey to seek out a pet-assisted therapy group that would take Toby. Now, did you have to take classes before you started the pet therapy visits? The first step in pet-assisted therapy was for us to be interviewed, and then to go, Toby and I together had to go through a whole series of different temperament and behavioral tests, and I think what they were looking for was to make sure first that Toby would respond to me and, and follow directions for me and that I was confident to accurately direct Toby, mm-hmm. and and certainly his demeanor you know, that he could handle stress and that he could handle other people and distractions. And he aced the first test. All of the behavioral and temperament tests he passed with flying colors. And then the organizer came around and, and he failed the first time. Oh, no. I, I was devastated and he failed because of his bark. And oh. the, the tester said that, um, you know, they, they didn't think they could place him because of his bark. Wow. And, yeah, we were devastated, and, and but didn't give up. We thought there's got to be another place, mm-hmm. and we found Chemo Pet Assisted Therapy Project, which is an organization in our community. They did the same uh, battery of tests with Toby mm-hmm. and said, I think we can find him the perfect place mm-hmm. where the barking won't be a problem. Well, that's very good. And then and then you finally got into it. Tell me about your first experience. Oh, the first experience at the hospital, it's a mental health facility that he volunteered. And so we went in for an interview and, and they accepted him into the program and they actually thought that his bark might be a great strategy for getting patients out of bed and, and, oh, and socializing. So the first day, um, I was nervous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I think Toby was a little nervous, but very excited. And he had a little uniform that he would wear, a red oh. bandana uh-huh. <laughs> and a red vest. And we quickly learned that anytime we took those two items out of the bag, he knew he was going to work. So we only ever used those on his hospital days. And the first day, was just absolutely incredible. I watched Toby step through the doors as I was holding the end of the red leash, and he Mm -hmm. let out two barks to let the world know, I've arrived. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just seemed to know what to do. It it was amazing. What kind of reaction did you get from the patients? Well, after the two loud barks, there was eyeballs the size of saucers <laughs> and um, a couple of patients I think that were nervous he was a 90 pound dog a big dog looks a lot like a chocolate lab mm-hmm. and so he was a, a big dog for many of the patients and and what Toby seemed to do intuitively was he paid attention to patients who seemed nervous and he didn't um, push himself on them he gave them a respectful distance and then the patients that were tapping their knee or calling his name, 
he would go over, but he was very tentative with them and allowed that trust to build. Oh, that is so cool. What inspired you to write a story about Toby and, and everything that's happened since you adopted him? Oh, I think the biggest inspiration to write this about Toby came from his hospital visits. And in 2009, I wrote a story about his volunteer work called Volunteering from the Heart, and it got accepted into a Chicken Soup for the Soul series book. Oh, nice. It was very exciting, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had the opportunity to take Toby on book signing tours, and he would, we'd call a potograph Uh (laughs) in the book and and leave his his own paw print in the book, and I just found that so exciting, and I was watching how he connected with all these children and their families that came to the events, and somehow from there this dog inspired me to keep writing, and then I wrote the book on Toby's terms. Oh, that is so cool. Where can somebody uh, find the book if they wanted to read it? Well, On Toby's Terms is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble electronically and in bookstores. Uh, It's in Kindle version. And they can also go to Toby's website. He he was a technical dog. He has his own own website, which is after the book on tobysterms.com. Ah, very nice. You, You seem to be talking about Toby in the past tense. Has he passed on? Sadly, he has. We Aww. lost our precious Toby at the end of 2011, and he's um, he's left a, a big legacy in our world. He's touched thousands of, of hearts across North America, even in other countries, people Aww. who've read his book or, or followed him through social media. Well, I'm very sorry for your loss, but it sounds like you had a wonderful life with him, and he had a wonderful life with you. Thank you. We did. We were blessed. He, he was ten and a half, and... And we had him for five years, and and he packed a lot of living into that into <laughs> that time, and and, like it. And, I, and and we had a great journey with him. Oh, that's very cool. And I've also heard that there might be a movie in the works about Toby's life. <laughs> there is, <laughs> there is a movie in the works. We were delighted. Uh, oh, Impact Motion Pictures, which is a California-based production company read the book before it even went to print. Oh, and they wow. fell, I know, they fell in love with it, uh-huh. and they signed it right then to become a motion picture, and they're actively working on it now. The screenplay is, has been drafted, and they have um, they actually have a campaign going right now where they're working on the pre-development and, and a fundraising process for that, and the, uh, they have an executive producer and a dog trainer on board, so it's very exciting. Wow, and do you have a potential release date that's no, been given We don't given have a release you? date yet. We don't have a release date yet, but we're we're thinking that it's going to be in 2012, and and uh, Toby's story will be out there for everyone to, to wow, listen to. that's just brilliant. Hey, I, I have to ask you this. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they've adopted a pet and it ends up being so much pet to handle, especially in a case where you have destructive behaviors or separation anxiety. A lot of people just give up right away and, and return the dogs back to the rescue organization or the shelter. If For people who have just recently adopted pets uh, since the holidays and are struggling, what advice would you give to them? I I can relate to that feeling of giving up. Chris and I, my husband and I, were almost there several times with Toby. And one of the lessons that we can offer is to access support and help. We realized that we could not 
learn to deal with Toby's behavior. We didn't have the skills to deal with Toby's behaviors on our own, and we needed expert help. And so all communities have veterinarians or um, behaviorists and trainers, doggy daycares, specialists, and certainly the shelters have incredible resources to be able to offer families. So that, you know, that would really be one lesson. And for us, getting Toby a job, allowing him activities where he felt productive and had a purpose, Mm-hmm. had a tremendous impact on his behavior. Um, we haven't, we didn't replace a toilet tank lid for about the last year and a half, and he's broken six of them in his life. So, <laughs> so we know that the resources that are out there are so incredibly valuable to the animals, to our okay. pets. So don't give up, and if you need help, there's help out there. Yes, absolutely. Charmaine, I wish you the best of luck with these projects, your book, the movie, everything. I hope you continue with pet therapy. Maybe you should adopt a new doggy for that. (laughs) And thank you for stopping by the pet place this morning. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. We need to take a quick break now, but when we return, Marianne Dill will be ready to go with more behavior tips here on the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart 1260. We're back with Mary Dell. We were speaking with her last week about some animal behavior issues for people who had just adopted pets over the holidays, and and we barely touched the surface of that. So thanks for coming back, Marianne. You bet, Marie. Always a pleasure. Okay, so we have lots of people who have adopted pets, and. You described it so eloquently last week. They were all perfectly polite during their adjustment period coming into the new home, and all of a sudden they're misbehaving. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting really cocky because now they know this is their home. That's right. (laughs) Comfort zone has been hit. (laughs) So so we have some folks who, and, and you talked about this a little bit, Last week, uh, dogs that begin barking. So I I actually received a few emails from folks who say that their dogs are very territorial now and are barking at everyone, even though they're sweethearts with the family. The mailman comes to the door, or the letter carrier, rather. Anybody who comes to the door, bark, 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 bark. What can you do about that? Well explain this phenomenon first. Okay. The family is part of the comfort zone. They live with the dog. And let me tell you, even with some dogs that are very comfortable, my uh, my dogs fly. Uh, whatever breeds he is a mix of, and we're not sure, definitely have guard dog in them. So even when someone in the family comes home, fly has to bark and let everyone know. Mm-hmm. And some dogs... A lot of dogs have some guarding behavior hardwired into them. That was one of their jobs. It was one of the reasons we formed this symbiotic relationship with wild canids mm-hmm. thousands of years ago. And that's been maintained through those thousands of years. So what happens with individuals like letter carriers or the FedEx delivery person is the dog hears this person coming to the door or the mail slot or whatever, and they bark out their warning, and the person comes, and they drop their mail, and they turn, and they leave. Well, that is one of the most reinforced behaviors in probably the history of dogdom, because the dog to the dog 
He's just succeeded in his job. He has chased that evil person <laughs> who potentially was posing a threat to the family away. And it's, it's what we call a self-reinforcing behavior because the behavior itself reinforces it. The barking tells the dog, the barking creates what the dog thinks is an ability to send the person away. And so to the dog, he's doing his job. Okay. Now, unfortunately, these days, my understanding is that the U.S. Postal Service will no longer allow its carriers to interact with family pets. Uh, one of the ways we used to approach dealing with this in the past is if you had a regular mail carrier or even two mm-hmm. and they were willing to do this, the owner could arm them with some really good treats, have them come <laughs> up to the house, have uh-huh. the dog on a leash, and have the mail carrier deliver treats mm-hmm. before they deliver the mail and then leave. Well, the association in the dog's head then becomes, hmm, hmm he's not such a bad guy. He brings me food. I don't yeah. think I'll bark. I think I'll stand here with my tail wagging. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with mail carriers anymore. You can, however, do it with your friends. And if you have some friends who are willing to maybe spend a few minutes whenever they come over to visit or even drop by for a few minutes on a Saturday afternoon or a Thursday evening or whenever, Mm -hmm. if you have a carpool buddy and they're willing to take a minute or two before you get in the carpool when they pick you up, you can arm them with some really good treats. And by really good treats, I mean not the dog's kibble. Yeah. Hot dog's cheese, something really good. Mm -hmm. And have them come up to the house and have them do a couple of things. Don't stare at the dog. Dogs see staring as quite threatening. Oh. It is how they challenge one another. Okay. So don't make eye contact. Keep your eyes soft. Turn your body to the side because the side of somebody's body is much less threatening than the front. Okay. Because we can't reach over and grab the dog or do some kind of damage as easily from the side of our body as we can from the front. And just have them put their hand down with some treats in it let the dog take the treats out, they can say, good dog, good Fido, whatever the dog's name is, Mm -hmm. and repeat that a couple of times, one little tidbit at a time, let the dog take it and eat it, and after a few days, you should see the dog start to anticipate this person's arrival with, there might still be a, a bark or a chortle or a whiffle. But it should lessen, and the wagging tail and the wiggling butt and the happy, oh, boy, I'm glad to see you, Mm -hmm. should take its place. Okay, but then that person is going to become recognizable at that point. Should you try and incorporate as many friends as you can just to come and go and and perhaps make it just kind of a routine thing so that the dog is desensitized also? Bingo. You, you, I couldn't have said it better because dogs don't generalize like we do and they have to have the same experience over and over with many different variables for it to generalize and for them to realize, oh, strangers are not such a big deal. Mm-hmm. A couple of other things you can do when people come over. Um, I like to train a dog if a dog likes toys when it hears the doorbell ring, and I, it, it would take too long to get into the logistics of doing this um, because it's a several-step process, but to teach the dog when he hears the doorbell ring to go and grab a toy. Oh. dog's got a toy in his mouth. He can't be barking. What a great idea. And it's, <laughs> it's, you know, and it's cute. People love to see the dog with the toy. Mm-hmm. You can also teach your dog to go to a crate or go to a mat mm-hmm. when the doorbell rings or on cue. You know, it doesn't have, I mean, the doorbell is a handy cue to use, 
because what often causes our dogs to bark, hearing the doorbell ring. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, even if it's on a TV show. Yes, true. <laughs> Absolutely true. Or radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so this can be handy. Um, the other thing I would tell visitors is if the dog is barking, they should not pay any attention to the dog whatsoever. They should not look at the dog, touch the dog, say anything. Um, they should turn their back to the dog. It, obviously, if you have a situation where the barking is aggressive, then, as I said last week, there are certain situations where you want to contact a professional, mm-hmm. a dog trainer who has some good credentials, um, and work with them. But if it's simply alarm barking and, oh, my gosh, an intruder, an intruder, mm-hmm. and the dog is just standing there barking, then um, having everyone ignore the dog until the dog calms down, until the dog has calmed down for at least 30 seconds because there has to be some disconnect between the stopping barking and getting attention. Or else the dog will simply learn, oh, if I bark a couple times, they'll pat me or give me treats or Uh throw the ball. Uh And we don't want them learning to bark to get something else. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, and, you know, you have to talk to your friends and people who are visiting about this because some people are not dog people. Mm-hmm. And this is completely unscientific and com- totally anecdotal, but I have seen enough evidence, instances of dogs somehow picking up on something, and I don't know what vibes people are giving out, uh-huh. um, but I have seen dogs react more intensely sometimes with people who are not particularly fond of dogs. Or that who are is really interesting, and I, and I want to tell you something about cats, too. And again, this is anecdotal also, but I found with my own cats throughout my life is that my friends who come over who don't like cats, my kitties will pick them out and sit on their laps. <laughs> I have heard and seen that one, too. <laughs> It's pretty hysterical. There'll be plenty of people in the room who love cats and would love to have them on their lap, but they always choose the one who does not like cats. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. It's just like a joke almost. You can even see it on their face. Yes, I know, especially with cats. It's like, ha-ha, gotcha. (laughs) Marianne, I know you do a lot of uh, behavior work independently, and and you've done some wonderful work with a lot of problem uh, issues. How can somebody get a hold of you if they wanted uh, some personal in-home training? Well, probably the best way would be to email me. Okay. And my email is griffydog, G-R-I-F-F, like Frank, E-Y-D-O-G, at verizon.net. Okay. Um, How long have you been doing training, by the way? I have been, I've been a certified professional dog trainer for... A little over five years. I've been training dogs since 1997. Oh, wow. And you've also been an advice columnist <laughs> in the Orange County Register, giving some great advice to pet owners, too. Yes, I've been doing that for almost 20 years. Wow. And I thoroughly enjoy it, and I met some wonderful, wonderful people through that. Well, that's great. And before I let you know, let you go, rather, um, one more quick question. Uh, this was from somebody who adopted a puppy, and they are discovering that their puppy likes to chew everything and anything. We've got um, two yeah. minutes to address this problem. All right. <laughs> well, really important when you have a puppy to do uh, something I talked about last week, and that's confinement. Okay. 
also have an area of the house. It can be a room or it can be an X-Pen. I love X-Pens. They are wonderful, wonderful tools. Those are just the little uh, portable fences? Yeah. They they come in various heights, and they are usually four feet square. Okay. Um, Get one, obviously, that's tall enough that the puppy can't jump over it. And if you have a puppy who's a climber, and some are, um, then you'll have to get a lid for it. You can buy material lids or you can get some other uh, metal pieces that go over the top. You want the puppy to be in a safe area with appropriate chew toys, mm-hmm. things that are appropriate to chew on like Kongs, Nyla bones, uh, stuffed marrow bones, not cooked meat bones. Those are bad. Okay. Um, You want to watch with things like stuffed toys and squeaky toys when they are young pups with their puppy teeth. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty good because their teeth are generally not strong enough yet to rip and chew. Um, As they get older, they can start ripping things apart. And the issue there is not ripping things apart if they're appropriate chew toys. It's the potential for clogging the intestinal tract if they swallow small pieces. Right. So you want to be careful of that. squeaker part. Yes. So take away toys that are getting chewed up. Yes, I would do that. And, again, when you let the puppy out of the confinement area, have him or her on leash. Mm-hmm. I prefer to put a harness on because that way if the dog pulls or if you want to tether him by sticking the end of the leash or wrapping it around a heavy table leg so you don't have to hold it all the time, if the dog suddenly moves, there's no danger of him or her choking. Excellent um, advice. The harness Excellent. will just pull on the back, and yes, there's some potential there, but it's it's much much less. Okay, Marianne, that's fabulous advice. I know the time goes by way too yes, fast when we're does. talking, but it's time for a pet place break now, so don't go away. We'll be back momentarily on Team Mozart Plus. on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Have you ever considered fostering kittens, but you're not sure you'd know what to do? Well, guess what? The Los Angeles SPCA is offering foster classes in Torrance on January 21st from 3 to 5 p.m., and it's absolutely free. Just fill out an application for the class online at www.spcala.com and head on over to the South Bay Pet Adoption Center on Class Day. The center is located at 12910 Yukon Avenue in Hawthorne. Call 323-730-5300, extension 300 for more details. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K Mozart 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.